So if you'd pray with me, we're going we're gonna to jump into the message this morning. Lord, would you speak to us? As, as we, we said in worship, would you, would you continue to speak? We're here for your words, not human words, not human opinions, Lord. We're, we're here for your truth that, that transcends generations, that transcends situations. Lord, your truth is always good. It's always right. And so, Lord, would you just let us receive that this morning? Would you let me, me speak that accurately? In your name we pray. Amen. So we started the fruit of the Spirit last week, and, and we kind of started by just talking about this idea that, that fruit is so important because sometimes we want to gauge our faith on our emotions. How close to God do I feel? How good of a Christian do I feel? And our emotions lie to us. Our emotions are all over the place. That's not a good gauge. That's not a good way to look and say, am I, am I where I need to be? The Bible says, look at your fruit because your fruit is, is solid. It's proof. If you see an apple on a tree, you can say that's an apple tree. It's not that apple doesn't feel different. It's just that's what it is. And so we, we learn about this because it tells us where we're, where we're at, where we need to grow, what we need to, to work on, because our lives should be producing fruit. And really it just means that when the Spirit of God lives in us, which the Bible says if, if we're Christians, if we've received Jesus as our Savior, the Spirit of God lives in us, then there should be certain things that overflow out of our life as we stay in step with that Spirit. But we also talked about how we still have our sinful nature living in us, and they're kind of doing battle with each other. And so the question is, which one are we listening to? Which one are we letting lead our life? And if you want to know that, look at your fruit, because what overflows out of your life is what you're listening to. And so in, in Galatians, Paul basically says, here's what's going to overflow out of your life if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, if you're staying in step with the Spirit. And here's what's going to overflow out of your life if you're listening to your flesh, if you're still staying in step with your sinful nature, this is going to be what overflows out of your life. And I, I kind of said, this needs to be a process. There's an order of the fruit of the Spirit that isn't just happenstance. It's not accident. And, and oftentimes the fruit of the Spirit, we just point at it and say, well, I just want this. God, give me some patience. God, give me some self-control. But when you read it, it's in order. It, it's a step. It's, it's a process. And we talked last week about how love is where you have to start. Because the Bible says we can do anything. We can do amazing things. We can change the world. And if we do it without love, it's meaningless. So you have to start with love. You can't skip over that. You can't be kind without love. You can't be gentle without love. And so we just talked about how that love is, is a perfect, selfless love. And we looked at how the fruit of our flesh, the things that, that flow out of us when we're being led by our, our sinful nature, is selfish ambition and how we've got to judge that. What's spilling out of my life? What's the fruit that's growing out of me? And if I don't like the fruit that's growing out of me, then I need to receive love because we can't just create this fruit. It has to be something that we get first from God. And so we're going to continue on. And those of you who are like me and went to Sunday school and memorized all these, what comes after love? Joy. Joy does. So we're going to talk about joy today. And this is one of my favorites because this is one of those that can be really confusing. Because here's one of the biggest problems with trying to preach the Bible in English. Is English has a really bad habit of taking seven different words from a different language 
and putting them into one word in English, which gets really confusing. So the fact that I can, going back to last week, the fact that I can say that I love my wife, but also say that I love pizza, is, it's ridiculous that we have one word, because those mean two very, very different things. And so the first thing we have to look at with joy is what does it mean? What are we talking about? when we're looking at the word joy. Because if we're all having different definitions of joy, then it's not going to work very well. And if you look at, at this original word that's, that's in the, the, the Greek, it, it is basically from the word to rejoice. That's kind of the same word. To have joy and to rejoice are the same word. It's, it's, it's something that, like, when we worship here up on stage, what we're doing is we're rejoicing. That's when we sing hallelujah. That's a, a rejoicing. Those are the same words. Now, if you take a second and just say, if I were to say, how would you define joy? What do you think of when I say joy? You probably have certain pictures in your mind. Now, I want to see if our definition of joy lines up with Scripture, okay? So we're going to read James chapter 1, Verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. How many of you, when I said think about joy, thought about trials? That was kind of one of the things that popped into your mind. I know it wasn't for me. When we think of joy, we don't think of that. And so we have to understand when the Bible talks about joy— it is very different than when we talk about joy, and why is that? And I will say this, is because for Christians, oftentimes, we confuse joy and happiness. Do you guys know that joy and happiness are two completely different things? They aren't the same at all. In fact, I could think of a lot of other words that are much more similar than joy and happiness. But this is where we get frustrated because we read the Bible and we read that we should be able to have joy all the time. We should always be able to have joy but in our heads, we kind of make this change to say, well, then that means I should be happy all the time. And you're setting yourself up for failure because I'm going to be the bearer of bad news. You won't be happy all the time. You guys know that? You're not always going to be happy. But you can always have joy. And this is where we need to really talk about the difference. Because if you look at happiness, happiness is about the right now. Right now, the circumstances I am in are good, and so I'm happy. It's a feel-good feeling saying things are going my way. The things that I don't like aren't really in my life right now, and the things that I do like, I'm able to enjoy, so I'm happy. It's about the current circumstance. It's about right now. Joy is not about right now. Joy doesn't really look at the current circumstances. And I want to make sure you understand this. I'm not saying happiness is bad. As a Christian, you're going to have seasons of happiness, and you should enjoy them. You should really enjoy them. Don't feel bad about it. Ecclesiastes says there's a season for everything. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. It says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. So you're going to have seasons where you're happy, where things fall your way, where life is good. And you shouldn't feel bad about that. You should enjoy that. Really make sure you love that. But there are going to be seasons where things don't go your way. Can I get an amen? There's going to be times where things don't fall your way, where things seem to go against you, where the circumstances that you're like, man, if I could just have this, everything would be better. And you're not going to get that thing that you're waiting on. But 
you can have joy. Because here's the thing about joy. Joy is not connected to what's currently happening. So joy is from this word rejoice, to rejoice, or, or like what we do on worship. So if you notice our worship songs, we tend to sing about certain things. How many of our worship songs are we like, God, our circumstances right now are great, so we worship? I don't know of any. When we worship, we, we look at two things. We look back at what God has done, right? So we can probably think of those worship songs. God, you are faithful. You've done this. You brought the Israelites out of Egypt. You've done miracles. You've done this. It's stuff that's, that's happened that we can look to and say, this happened. Maybe not right now, but this is the things that you have done. That's why God so often in the Bible, and we talked about it as we did communion last week, said, don't forget what I've done. Read the Old Testament and see how many times he tells the Israelites, don't forget what I've done. Because that's part of joy, that's part of rejoicing, is you rejoice about what has happened, what is done, what God has shown to be clear and true about himself. You take joy in that because that can't be taken away because it's happened. It's solid. But then what else do we worship about? What else do we rejoice about? What God's going to do, right? We sang it this morning, when you return in glory, right? We look to the future of what he's promised, what we know he's going to do. Again, what is solid that no one can thwart, and we rejoice in that. And so joy really is not dependent on the current circumstances. Joy is dependent on what we know about God, what he's already done, what he's promised to do. And that is why even in the difficult circumstances, we can have joy because joy doesn't depend on what's happening right now. That is why as Christians, we have the freedom and we have the ability to have joy all the time because joy doesn't need the current circumstances to be good. Joy needs to remember what God's done and know what God has promised to do and trust and remember those things. And that's where joy stems from in our hearts. So even when you're in a difficult circumstances, you can have joy. This is what Romans says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Joy acknowledges, right now I'm suffering. Right now I'm not happy. Right now things are not going my way. But I understand that when I look to what's promised and I remember what God has done, I understand that that is overwhelmingly more powerful to how I feel than just my current circumstances. Joy is about remembrance and hope. And I, I'll do this exercise sometimes because I believe that pretty much everybody here, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, has had miracles happen in your life, has had something happen where you're like, God, how did you do that? And I will go back through and just remember, I'll write it down. When we were, when we were stepping down from our position from Illinois, we had everything we owned in a 30-foot trailer. We had no home. We just knew that God was asking us to obey and we watched God do impossible things over and over and over and over again. And it's one of those things where we, we were talking not even that long ago, and I was like, I forgot God did that. And then I felt terrible. I was like, how did I forget? But how easy is it for all of us 
to just forget the miracles that God has done, the, the amazing things that we've seen and witnessed. And then we go, I wonder why I don't have joy. Well, it's because we, we stopped remembering what God has done. And we can also forget to look to his promises, right? The, the world can feel so dark and, oh my goodness, everything's bad and everyone's mad at each other and it's so divisive. And you forget the promises of God and you get so locked into the right now. And then you go, why did I lose my joy? Well, because we're not looking to the things that joy actually rises from. We're stuck in the place of right now, do I like what's happening right now? But that's not where joy rises from. It doesn't rise from the right now. It rises from what God has already done and what he has promised to do. This is Psalm chapter 78, verse 7. It says, Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds. That's what I want for myself. And there's, there's times where even I feel convicted of all of the things that I've forgotten about what he's done because I've let the right now trump all of the other things that I know. And we can't do that as Christians. The right now doesn't overwhelm all of the evidence that we have for who God is and what he wants for us. And, and one of the main things that I want you guys to take away today is the simple fact that you can have joy without happiness. You guys know that. You can acknowledge that right now I don't like this situation. I'm not happy with what's going on. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm hurt. I don't like this. And you can still say, but I have joy and I choose to rejoice because all of what God has done, all of what God has promised to do is so much more than this current circumstance. So even though I can acknowledge I'm not happy, I have joy. I have a reason to rejoice, even if right now is tough. You see, and that's where, when we look at the fruit of the, the flesh, so, so if, if when we're listening to the Spirit, when we're letting the Spirit of God lead us, what flows out of us is joy, then when we're listening to our flesh, when we're listening to our sinful nature, what's going to flow out of this, and, and I read the whole list last week, but one thing that was listed on there is envy. Anyone here struggle with that? See, because envy looks at my right now versus your right now and says your right now is better than my right now, so I refuse to have joy because I found someone who their right now is better than my right now. Rather than looking at what is the things that God's done for me, what are the future that I have to look forward to, and understand that we all have been have the opportunity to have our sins forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. We all have the same future if we accept him and allowing that to, to even it out. It says, yeah, but your right now is better than my right now. So I won't have joy until my right now is better than your right now, or at least equal. And our brain kind of does that. It searches for reasons to not have joy. And that's a bad game to play because when you refuse to have joy, you're the one that loses. It's like a game that you're going to lose. And so that's your flesh, though. Your flesh says, right now is all that matters. I just want to be happy right now. The spirit of God in you says, hey, right now can be tough, but I know the future, and I know what has already happened. So even if the right now isn't very good, I can have joy. Because there's one other thing with joy, and this is, if you get this, I think it will change your life. So I'm going to bring you to Nehemiah. And this is, this is chapter 8, verse 10. This is what it says. 
This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. Now listen to this. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. What does that mean? What does it mean that the joy of the Lord is your strength? That word strength is really interesting because it's not just to be strong. It's not about like, hey, I have the ability to, to push something or whatever. That word strength literally is, is a refuge. It, it really should be translated strong tower. Have you guys kind of heard that phrase? God is our strong tower. And it's this, it's this idea of most of you know what a refuge is. It's in a time of war, in a time of battle, a refuge is a place of safety, a place where if you're there, you don't have to quite fight. You're, you're safe. You don't have to take care of yourself and, and all of that. You can truly rest. And this idea of a strong tower, a strong refuge, what it does is infer the fact that like the enemy can't get there. It is, it is solid. If you're in there, you are safe. You are good. And this is what the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is our strong tower. Now here's where I think... This can revolutionize our faith a little bit because oftentimes what we think of is I can have joy when there is no battle, right? Because that's what happiness is. Happiness is everything's going my way. No one's attacking me. I'm safe. Life is good. I'm happy. And when we confuse joy and happiness, what we say is I can have joy when there's no battle. But the Bible actually says that joy was actually made for the battle. That's the point. A refuge doesn't really do anything if there's no war. There's really no point to a refuge if there's not a battle. The refuge is made for the battle. And what we have to understand is joy is not the absence of trials. It's not life is going good. Joy is our protection in the trials. And if we're waiting for there to be no trials to have joy, then we are missing the whole point of what joy is for. Joy is that place of safety and rest when things are not going your way. And many of you have probably experienced this. If you're going through a tough season where you're not happy, where, man, maybe you're being attacked, or it's just like, this is rough right now, and you don't have happiness. When you take the time to sit and remember everything that God has done for you, all of the miracles have taken place. Simply the fact that he died and you are free, your debt is paid. You can stand in front of the Father and he loves you and there's no separation. And then remember, what is my future? What, what do I know is my future no matter what happens here on this earth? What has God promised me? And you have that, that place of peace and rest even in the turmoil. That's what joy is for. Joy is a refuge. It's not the absence of problems. It's for the problems. It's help in the problems. And if we keep waiting until life is nice and easy to receive our joy, to have joy spill out, then we're missing the whole point of what joy is for. Joy is for the problems. And that's it. I'm hoping I'm giving you good news today, that if you're in a bad spot, you can still have joy right now, today. You, it is not dependent on anything changing in your life other than what you know God has already done for you and you know what your future is in God. And that is what joy is, is made for. It's a place of safety and rest even when life isn't going your way, even when life isn't very good. Joy is that place of peace and rest in your life. And for me at least, 
That's really, really good news. But you have to accept it. See, it says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? It comes from God. And this is going to be a pattern of all of our fruit is that if we're trying to just will it into happening, okay, God, all right, I'm going to make myself joyful. It's not going to work very good because it's not the fruit of your willpower, right? It's not the fruit of your theology. It's not the fruit of your intelligence. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's about honestly saying, God, I know that you desire to pour joy on me, and I will receive it. I will be filled to overflowing. And we talked about this last week is, if I have a coffee cup that's full of coffee and I shake it around, I should not expect that apple juice will spill out of it, right? That's the fruit of the Spirit is what spills out of you. You have to be full of it for it to spill out. That's what fruit is. It's what, what spills out of your life. And so joy is one of those things that we have to receive because God desires to give it to us. It's not about just mentally thinking. It's about receiving. Joy was never meant to be a response to good times. It was meant to be a refuge in the bad times. And this is one of those things, if I can just clearly lay it out for you, there's going to be hard times as a Christian. There are going to be times that things do not go your way. There's going to be times where you are unhappy. That's when joy is for. That's the point. That's when you need joy the most is in those times, because that is your refuge in those times. But so often, we say, okay, I'll have joy when everything's good, when everything's okay. And that is, I think, one of the greatest lies of the enemy because he's taken away our refuge in the battle. And we're not going to do very good without that refuge. And so today, I think we all just need to, even if we just make that commitment to say, Lord, I will seek your joy even in the bad times, even when I'm not happy, even when things aren't going my way, I will seek and I will listen for reasons to rejoice in your presence because that's going to be my safety. That's going to be my refuge in the middle of this battle. And so if you guys would stand, I just want to pray with you this morning. Lord, I thank you for your joy. What a privilege that even in the midst of trials and suffering, even when things are really difficult, when things don't go our way, that we have a refuge. Lord, that your joy is there. Even when circumstances that we can't control are beating us down, Lord, that doesn't change what you've done. It doesn't change what you're going to do. Your joy is solid in the midst of that, Lord. And so I thank you. I thank you that we do not need to rely on circumstances. God, what a privilege. What, what an absolute privilege that we as Christians get to say, I don't need to rely on my circumstances for joy. Lord, maybe there's gonna be seasons where I'm unhappy and I'm frustrated and I'm upset, but Lord, I can have joy because joy is not dependent on my circumstances dependent on what you've already done and what you're going to do. So Lord, I pray right now for everybody here that your joy begins to just rise up from the ground, Lord. From, from, from their feet, they begin to feel that refuge and that rest. That even though 
man, there's things they can't control and there's things they wish were different and they wish that they could do something, Lord, that they know that who you are, what you've done for them, what you're going to do, their future, who you are does not change and that they can rest in that, that they always have a reason to rejoice and that it, it, it truly gives them a place of safety, a place of rest, even in the turmoil, even in the battles, Lord God, that you give them that rest and that safety, Lord, that that joy spills out of them, that they don't have to even try to force it. They're just so full of your joy because of what you have already done, what you're going to do, that it just spills out of them, Lord God. And I pray that you help us to not look at each other, to think of who has it better than us, who's got a nicer house, who's got a nicer car, whose current circumstances are better, Lord, but that we would be focused on who you are and the things that are unshakable about your love for us, Lord. And that's where we get our joy from. Lord, I thank you. I pray that we are people who have refuge in the battle, Lord God. We pray this in your name. Amen.